Good. Well, it's about, I'd say it's more like pre-noon. You are listening to Action Line. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me today is Executive Director Amy Skillbread from the Juno Community Foundation. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you, Jordan? I'm doing all right. It's a nice day outside. I don't think it's too chaotic. So there's a couple things I did want to talk to you about today. So let's first start off with, you have a couple of grants and things that are coming out for deadlines this weekend. Is that correct? Yes, uh, we have a big one. The Juno Hope Endowment, uh, CBJ Social Service Grant Program. On March 3rd is when the applications are due for that. And that gives out about two and a quarter million dollars for social service agencies in Juneau. Okay. And so sort of springing off of that, so would like, would say housing assistance go along with that? Yeah, there's, there's two areas that today I was going to talk about a bit, and um, I call them getting back to basics, and that is food and housing. And everybody needs um, a minimum of food and housing in order to be able to put their lives on track, so to speak. Um, on food, we've had a fund feeding Juno kids, and we raised about $200,000 at the end of last year, and we've been using that to provide winter food boxes for kids um, and through the school district. And for the winter break, there was about 480 boxes were prepared, and in the middle of March, we're going to be doing another 500 boxes for the spring break for um, students needing food over that break because they're not getting those free lunches, free breakfasts when school's out. So... That's a pretty pretty big one. You know, I was looking at some of the the photos from that, and that was uh, that was in January, wasn't it, or was it a bit earlier than that? It was December, but the vacation went through the first week of January. So okay, yeah. gotcha. All right, yeah, no, it's definitely. I would say it's very encouraging to hear you know work being put in to make sure that those students have food because as a person who is only recently not a student, having that food is very important to actually you know function with your education if you can't. And even beyond, because obviously you're talking about over the break period, you know, right. just having that and having that sort of food security means you can put your attention towards other things like, you know, just being a kid. Like that's that's an important thing to have. Exactly. And, you know, it's especially important now with the SNAP benefits being on hold and um, one of the food pantries closing. So it's sort of it's helping to support um folks throughout the community by providing food for kids who are students. And um, we're thinking there'll be about 500. Um, and so that's continuing to increase from even from December. So, And do you say that that increases also in relation to the, the delays with the SNAP benefits? Believe so. Um, you know, we, we don't usually do this. We actually do the food boxes in conjunction with uh, Super Bear IGA. The Coast Guard helps to get the boxes out. Um, we have a team, I think it's the JDHS boys soccer team that's coming in to fill all the bo boxes. And um, it's just a, oh, and United Way, their expertise and school district personnel. So it's a whole bunch of folks coming together to make that happen. And I think um, it's definitely increased in part because of the SNAP benefits. And then there are also, just a quick aside, the food bank itself has seen a huge increase in usage from about 100 people a week to 500 or more people a week. And um, yeah, I'd encourage anybody who wants to give directly to the food bank to look up Southeast Alaska Food Bank online and give to them because they're really uh, putting in a lot of work to help our community right now. 
Gotcha. And then that leads into the question of, and I'm not sure if you could answer this or not, but has, has food security kind of always been an issue locally or is that more of a recent thing? Food security has been an issue in Juneau for a long time. And um, we've worked with the school district mm, probably for about eight years now on providing funding to support a universal breakfast program in the schools, which came about in order to encourage more kids to have breakfast at school and not delineate between children who need assistance and students who could afford their own. And so if you make it universal, then more kids um, attend and feel comfortable doing it. It's, you know, eating food is a time when people socialize too, and so it's a, a good thing to do. And so we focused on assisting through the schools and then assisting with the weekend food bags for several years as well. Okay. I would also even say, I mean, by the sound of it, by making it universal, it would also remove that sort of stigmatization of of needing it. Because if everyone gets it, then there's no reason that someone should feel like, oh, it's embarrassing that I have to go do this. Or, oh, why are those people, why are people going to get that? Because you're removing that sort of, you're removing that, that mental image around it. Absolutely. That's spot on. That's why you make it universal. Make it open for everybody and no stigma attached to it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then, and how long have you been doing that program for? Or so, oh, I think probably six, seven, seven, eight years, um, both that and the weekend food bags, because, you know, every time the school's out, there are kids that need food. Um, and that includes summertime as well. So there's summer programs that go on to help kids who are food insecure get the food that they need. So. Okay. Yeah. And then... Uh, have you done other sort of large philanthropic efforts in that area? Because I understand that Juno Community Foundation, uh, you you encourage a lot of phil- philanthropy. That's a lot of what the foundation is about. Right. We increase donations or increase giving in order to give money out. And we build endowments so that we're able to give money out every year. So, for example, the Juno Hope Endowment, which is providing over a million dollars in funds to social service organizations through the grant program that's coming up. That's a large endowment that was started, and so we've done that every year since 2015. And um, it's pretty amazing when you're able to pool donations from a lot of people together and do things now, as well as build an endowment so that it can go continue on into the future. And that's a, a lot of what we do. So. But the other effort that we've been focusing on is housing the homeless. And um, in that area, you know, we are the agency that is bringing organizations together to collaborate on how do you provide enough housing for homeless people in Juneau. And we're talking about people who have less than 30% of the average median income. So basically, they have little or no income. And we've come together and several organizations that work with homeless people have come up with the Juno Nonprofit Housing Development Council, which is the sort of umbrella that we're working under in order to provide more housing in Juno. And agencies are moving ahead. The Glory Hall is building seven units in the old Glory Hall. AWARE is building another seven units. Uh, St. Vincent de Paul has taken on management of the Channel View apartments to make sure that they maintain low-income housing. And we're working on getting funding in order to provide 28 more units at Housing First. And so it's a lot of looking at 
how nonprofits, because they're the only ones who develop these housing units for low, very low income people, um, how we do that in order to meet the need, which is about 185 to 200 some people. So, yeah. Okay. You know, it's interesting to see that sort of more focused and specific look at the sort of Juno's housing issues, because obviously everyone, I'm sure everyone knows Juno has housing issues for a variety of reasons. So to hear about it in a very specific way beyond what we normally hear about, because obviously you hear about a lot of folks moving into town for work and then they need housing. I was in that same boat for a little while. But to hear it specifically where it's like there's people who just they they're in a position where there's no housing that they can genuinely afford. They're in such a position where they they need that extra assistance. It's interesting to hear because that's not something you get you hear talked about too much. Yeah, there's um, organizations like the Glory Hall and others have uh, clients that actually have vouchers and could be put in a house if there was a house available. And um, yeah, you're you're correct that Juno has housing issues all the way up and down the line, so to speak. Uh, workforce housing is a big issue in Juneau as well. Um, the private sector mostly looks at how to develop housing for workforce housing and individual houses for people who can afford to purchase a house. And it's really falling on the nonprofit sector to build the housing that's needed for people who um, have no income, basically. Definitely. Then, like I was saying, like, and that's the same exact demographic that they, they doesn't really get the attention unless, you yeah. know, there's a whole lot of effort put into, you know, putting them out there. Because obviously, you know, with that private sector stuff, they're going to get housing for employees. If they want employees, they're going to figure it out, you know. But you don't ever, oftentimes, it's like you don't see that extra effort put in for those lower income families. And so to see those nonprofits step up is definitely an encouraging sight. Although then, obviously, it would raise the question of, why isn't there other things going on to assist in that capacity? Yeah, there's uh, federal funds, state funds. I mean, that's the, the main thing is how do you get the funds to renovate um, buildings that could be used for housing or haven't been for a while and could be you know, used for housing? How do you get the funds to buy um, places that are already built or to build new places? And so one of the first things that the group is doing is going to the um, federal funds and looking at the congressionally designated spending to see if they're to request $5 million to support um, building additional 28 units on Housing First. And so Housing First isn't just a place where people live, it's supportive housing because there's a lot of people who are homeless who absolutely need support in order to stay housed. And that's been shown to be an incredibly effective model not only in Juneau, but around the country and around the world, is get people into houses first, and then they're able to um, work on mental illness, on substance use, on alcoholism, and live their lives, basically. Gotcha. Well, we will talk more on that. We're going to be taking a quick break. You are listening to Action Line on KNY. Welcome back to Action Line. I am still your host, Jordan Lewis. At least I hope I am. I don't think I've swapped in between halves. Joining me still is Executive Director for the Juno Community Foundation, Amy Skillbread. Now, we were talking about the about having support after people get housing and how that could be beneficial. Do you want to talk more about that? Sure. Uh, just let me preface this by saying the Community Foundation, what our role is in this is we help raise funds. We bring collaboration efforts and organizations together. Um, but it's the nonprofit partners that are 
critical in making things happen. And so that would be like the Glory Hall, St. Vincent de Paul, Catholic Community Service, AWARE. Um, you know, there's just a Oklinkett, Haida Regional Housing. There's a lot of a lot of partners that do the do the heavy lifting on making things happen. So supportive housing, um, housing first is a model where people are housed. Those, especially those who have been chronically homeless. I think the average age of um, or the average number of years that people at, at Housing First have been homeless was about um, nine years. And so when when you've been that long um, not housed, and some most folks have some co-occurring disorders, mental illness, substance abuse, things like that, having supportive housing, so having people there on, on site who are interacting with their um, patrons who live there is really critical. And, um, and that's what Glory Hall provides with Housing First. So. Gotcha. Now, I know we've been talking a lot about social services, but I understand that you, it's not just social services that you help out with. So talk to me more about it beyond the social services. Beyond aspect. social services. Um, the Community Foundation has a focus on arts and education as well. Um, arts and culture specifically, we have an individual artist awards. And we've been giving out $20,000 a year in those awards in order to support artists in Juneau who are want to, you know, need funds in order to further what they're doing in their art and keep Juneau just a really vibrant arts community. And so that's been pretty exciting that we've been able to do that. And um, for youth and education, we have a fund, the Youth Equity Fund, that provides, again, about $20,000 a year to Zach Gordon Youth Center. And those funds are used to um, support kids who want to take part in some of the wonderful activities and camps that we have in Juneau, but otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it. And so that's run through Zach Gordon because they already do funding, uh, do the grants from the city to folks that need assistance for attending camps and, and activities. So we really do rely on our partners a lot. Another area is parks, trails, and recreation. And um, the Community Foundation, oh, our very first project was the Diamond Park Fieldhouse out in the valley. And most recently, it's been the Hilda Dam Cabin up at um, Eagle Crest, and then working on the Treadwell Ditch Trail. And it's about a 14-mile trail over on Douglas Island, and redoing that so that it can be used by everyone. So. A lot yeah. of different areas. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like you got a lot of, you got a lot of. What's the word? The phrase I'm looking for. Shoot, I can't think of it now. A lot of irons in the fire. A lot of. Uh, <laughs> a lot of different. I mean, we're just we're very broad based, and we also support like people will come to us and they have things that they would like to do, um, whether it's a you know video project or a statue like or the. Oh, empty chair memorial statue up at uh, Capitol Park. Um, and we take on those projects as we host them, basically, so that they can raise money through us and get them done. And so there's a lot of that. There's also individuals who want to start a fund themselves and be able to say where the money goes. And um, a donor-advised fund, it's called. And so we have we have those as well. It's a it's a really unique community foundations are really unique organizations in their ability to help people figure out. I mean, our role basically is to help people 
do what they would like to get done with the funds that they have or with, with or projects that they'd like to get done. And then, you know, they're the heroes because they do it. Um, we're the we're the guide, basically. You, you help facilitate. You're like, here you go. Here's exactly. here's some resources, but it's all on you now. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's. Uh, Wonderful to be able to raise the funds and have the money go out and see great things being done. And I'm always thankful for the people who are actually getting that work done and making it happen. So, yeah. Gosh, and then like you were saying, like you have you you have partners, you know, kind of all over the spectrum as well, and they play oh, a pretty okay. pretty crucial role. It's sort of like sort of you know cogs in the machine to use that metaphor. Absolutely. I mean, without the incredible nonprofit community that we have in Juno we wouldn't be able to get half of what we get done. Um, it would be, you know, we're very sure when we give money to organizations and they're saying, here's what we're going to do, that's what they're going to do. And it just adds to our community and makes Juno just a great place to live. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say all of this is possible because people who live in Juno are incredibly generous. And that's the way we work. It's the generosity of the people in Juno that makes us uh enables us to give out these funds so i mean i do say it all it all boils down to community at the end you know that's that's going to be the key player in a lot of this type of stuff yeah it's huge um and we are a community that comes together in a lot of ways and uh, you know um, we've seen it in action many times both at the foundation through the work that we do and all over town um with a lot of a lot of organizations, uh, the arts organizations that we have, the trail organizations, you know, the sports and volunteers that people just are, are giving in Juno with time, money, and expertise. So, and all of those count for philanthropy. So, Definitely. Now, I wanted to ask you on this before I forget, because I heard you mention it and I wanted to ask you more about it. What are some of the things that you kind of work on with uh, the education end of the spectrum? Because you had mentioned that a little bit. Education? Um, we've been focused mostly on when we're working on education. There's one area on adult education where we provide some funds to CERC, uh, Southeast Regional uh, Resource Center, and um, that helps fund the GED program. Um, without those funds, there would be nobody in Southeast Alaska who could do the testing for GEDs, um, and so we help there. And then in the school district where we help is we're actually providing um, counselors or student advocates that work with uh, students and their families who need more assistance. And that helps in the classroom by having another place where students can go to um, talk with somebody and work through whatever is bothering them and try and get some assistance. So, Okay. A, so a lot of it sounds like just sort of a lot of it's helping establish ways to find resources then. Right. And, and we give out scholarships. So we have uh, scholarships uh, for folks leaving college or leaving high school, rather. So. I was say, if they're leaving college, I think they don't need the scholarship. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if I had known I could get a scholarship leaving college, I probably would have gone for one. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, definitely. I mean, it definitely sounds like some interesting work there. Now, obviously, I've been asking you a lot of questions, but I always like to open the floor. And if there's anything in specific you want to talk to, because obviously this ultimately ends up being a platform for you to, as well to talk with 
you know, the larger judo community at large. They can hear you wherever they may be at the time. Right. Well, yes, certainly. Um, it's been great to have this time, too, to be able to reach out and to let people know more about what we're doing. And I think at this point, one of the great things would be if anybody is interested in giving um, at the way to give for feeding Juno kids is on our website, junocf for communityfoundation.org. And also um, the Housing um, Development Council. We have started a fund for the Housing Development Council and are looking to raise additional funds in order to be able to help the nonprofit organizations get projects ready to the point where they can go and get a, an estimate or um, yeah, an estimate from a builder or somebody on exactly what it would cost to build the project, remodel it, whatever it is that's needed, or funds that could be used to put down a down payment on a, um, on a facility while organizations figure out how they're going to use it. And um, those are some of our, our big ones right now. But encourage people to just go to our website and take a look, you know, look around on it. There's a lot of different information on what's happening and what we support, as well as people can think about how they want to give. Um, if they're able to provide funds now or provide funds through their will or um, a planned gift later in life. And, you know, you don't have to be leaving a million dollars or even, you know, to to give to a foundation, to the community foundation, that um, the average amount of a bequest in the United States is about $25,000. And so I think people should, you know, think about what they are passionate about in Juno and what they might like to see continue into the future. So. Dang, usually I then ask about uh, closing comments, and that's a pretty pretty strong closing comment, all things considered. <laughs> I, w I mean, I do have one joke. I mean, as a, as a college grad, hearing 25K in any regard, I'm like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. It is. Yeah. So, but, but I think, you know, the great thing about community foundations is your funds are pooled with other funds. And the idea of the community foundation in Juneau was established in order to be able to leave funds and know that they're going to go to what you're passionate about and what you're interested in, even if a specific organization isn't around anymore, like a specific nonprofit, there will be another one in Juno that it would be doing something similar. So those funds would definitely go to the arts if that's what you wanted them to do. And that's the beauty of community foundations. So they'll always be directed at what you want. Correct. You can, always. you can always encourage or forever, forever. You can encourage what you want and get exactly, it in there. Exactly. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, obviously I'd like to thank you for coming in. I very much appreciate you coming on. I'm sure I'll have you on again. I'm pretty sure I think I have you as a quarterly guest. I'll see you in you not too long. This has been Action Line on KINY.